Uh, hey guys, welcome back to the Road to Madness podcast. I'm Matt Giglio. I'm Min Dong. 82 days until the uh, 2020 season begins. Yeah. Uh, draft lotteries today. Pretty exciting. Uh, maybe another mock draft coming soon. Yeah, uh, a lot of things in sight. Mock drafts, hopefully, and uh, hopefully maybe another interview down the road these next couple weeks. And uh, it's always good just to take a little break in between all these conference previews. Uh, obviously, we got another one for you today, but uh, we also got a lot of other news to talk about, including waivers. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to all this news very momentarily. Yeah, uh... First thing, the NCAA will be making a decision in September regarding the start of the 2020-2021 college basketball season. Current start date is November 10th, uh, 82 days from now, of course. Uh, Senior Vice President Dan Gavitt says his crew will make a decision for the actual start date in mid-September. Obviously, many conferences are delaying the seasons, just as the Pac-12 and Ivy, who will be start their season January 1st of 2021. Still a month to go before any changes are made. What do you expect the NCAA to do? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a very big topic, and we've also been kind of trying to avoid it because we're just hopeful that the season's going to start on the actual start date. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if a couple of more conferences do decide to cancel till the 2021 uh, season calendar year in January, uh, I think the – uh, start date might be getting pushed back from uh, senior vice president, obviously, Dan Gavitt and his crew. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did push it back, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it was starting smoothly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a decision has to be made soon. I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, saying a decision has to be made uh, prior to the actual start, and it's going uh, to be over a month uh, when that decision is made in mid-September. Uh, to when these guys think they're going to be playing. So uh, hopefully the decision stays the same, but uh, you never know. Anything can also happen here. Yeah, definitely. And there have been talks about uh, bubbles also. Uh, NCAA actually just approved bubbles for, for college basketball teams. So uh, we can expect some bubbles as well. Yeah, and uh, just looking at the NBA, the bubble looks pretty, pretty cool. Uh, just looking at it from afar and uh, – yeah, if you were if you were a player in the bubble, I'd be very excited. It's like a mini March Madness, honestly, if you look at it that way. And uh, yeah, I mean that's just pretty cool considering uh, what you really have for the options this year. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, next two pieces of breaking news are uh, obviously recruitment news, and then we got another big one coming uh, later down the road. Uh, first off is obviously recruiting news. Twenty twenty one four star prospect uh, Frankie Collins has committed to Michigan. Uh, he chooses Michigan over Arizona State, Auburn, Gonzaga, Kansas, New Mexico, Vanderbilt, and USC. Uh, he's the fourth highest, uh, fourth recruit for Michigan and the highest committee of those four guys. He joins four stars, uh, Kobe Bufkin, Isaiah Barnes, and three-star Will Teshetter. Uh He's ranked 57th in the class. Uh, Collins is ninth for point guards. Um, as this interstate rivalry uh, continues to heat up between the fifth-ranked class Michigan and the fourth-ranked class Michigan State for 2021, uh, how amazing is this rivalry going to be next year? It'll be a good rivalry, but, you know, if Amani Bates uh, reclasses, then, then yeah, it's Michigan State all the way. Yeah, I mean, just from a fan standpoint, that that's going to be a game that I'm, I'm definitely going to be tuning into. And, uh, I mean – It'd just be – it's, it's going to be an amazing series, and uh, they'll probably meet up, honestly, in the Big Ten Conference Finals, I assume. I mean, there's a ton of other teams that are obviously competing, 
Uh, one of them we'll talk about in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those Big Ten teams are just getting some amazing recruiting, recruiting classes for 2021. And, uh, I mean, you're going to talk about another one coming up uh, pretty shortly. Yeah, the next one is Maryland, who just got the commitment of James Graham, 2021 four-star prospect. 6'8", small forward from Wisconsin. He chose Maryland over Auburn, Memphis, and in his home state, Wisconsin. Uh, ranked 151st in the class of 2021. We'll be joining four-star recruit Julian Reese and Ike Cornish for the Terps. Um, Maryland now moves to eighth in the class rankings for 2021. In the Big Ten, they, they're getting a lot of solid recruits. Um, do you think Maryland's a top contender for the Big Ten in 2021? Yeah, I mean, we just talked about two powerhouses. I think Maryland is definitely a third powerhouse for the class of 2021. Um, yeah, I mean, these are four, uh, these are three very good four-star prospects they're getting in here for 2021. And uh, obviously it's a tough blow for Wisconsin not getting the hometown kid and James Graham. But uh, yeah, Maryland's getting a really good steal here. And this, uh, this recruiting class is a very slept on uh, I mean, because they only got three recruits uh, committed right now. And uh, they can definitely get a lot more. And in comparison to the fellow rivals in Michigan and Michigan State, they've already gotten four five four twenty twenty one already. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if Maryland could get a couple more, uh, maybe four three stars, uh, yeah, I think this class will move into potentially the top five, but maybe maybe outside in the top six. Mm-hmm. And uh, here, here's, here's a big piece of breaking news. Uh, this was – Honestly, to me, this is pretty unexpected, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's going to be Isaiah Joe at Arkansas. He will be opting out, and he will be declining for the NBA draft. Uh, this is huge news for the SEC, uh, as Arkansas will be losing their top two players uh, after the departure of Mason Jones, obviously. Uh, they do bring in a good recruiting class. I mean, we've talked about it a lot, but uh, they're going to be a very young team coming into next season now without Isaiah Joe. And, uh, obviously, a tough loss for Coach uh, Eric Musselman. Uh, like I, like I said, Joe is going to be that top option this year for Arkansas. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the official deadline was this past Monday. Uh, so no other big names besides Isaiah Joe uh, have changed their mind regarding uh, leaving school uh, for those that did return to school. So uh, with all this being said, uh, what does Arkansas do now without Joe? Um, I think Arkansas is, is fine. I think, I think they're perfect with or without him. Coach Musselman, he even said that they were preparing for life without Joe, and if Joe came back, that'd be that make them even better. But I think I think they're fine. Their their backcourt depth is still one of the elites in college basketball, um, among the elites in college basketball. Sorry, and yeah, I think Arkansas is totally fine, and I think they're still a tournament team. Yeah, I mean the chances of them making the tournament are obviously a lot more slimmer now that Isaiah Joe is gone. But uh, yeah, this team's. Definitely still a bubble team in my eyes and a potential tournament team. Uh, I probably could would have had them as a lock, and honestly, if Isaiah Joe did stay. But uh, now I'm moving them towards the bubble, uh, obviously towards the top half of that bubble, but uh, definitely still a bubble team in my eyes. Uh, I did have them in my top 25, I believe. Uh, I think I had them at 25, honestly. But So uh, some changes might have to be made for the next one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just tough news for Arkansas fans. But, I mean, like you said, they were, they were living and prepared for it, so uh, I think they'll have a pretty smooth transition for this upcoming season. And, and as for Joe, I, I honestly think this is the right decision. He's one of the best volume three-point shooters in all of college basketball. And, you know, NBA was moving into all three-pointers, basically, and I think he'll fit perfectly in an NBA system. Yeah, I think I think some team will take a chance on him. Where that might be, I'm not too sure. But, uh, yeah, I definitely expect his name to be getting called at some point in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, next topic, uh, waivers. Lots of transfers have been getting waivers these past couple of days. Uh, a lot rate. You could play five games. You could play 30 games. You're going to get a waiver somehow. Uh, but, yeah, expect a lot more to get some in the, within the next week as well. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. It's crazy how these people are getting waivers from playing the whole season pretty much, and they've been playing 30, 30 plus minutes too. And uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really make too much sense, but uh, if you, if you have a reason, you get away. I mean, that's just all I can really say about it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, Holland Woods of Arizona State. He's a transfer from Portland State. Averaged 18 points, five assists, two steals this past season. We'll have one year with Arizona State. And Woods, he basically played the whole season, averaged 34 minutes a game and played in 32 games. So, you know, he gets a waiver. Um, but will Woods provide an even deeper backcourt presence for Arizona State? Yeah, I mean, they already have the three-headed trio there, and Woods is going to definitely be probably the sixth man, I'd assume. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they honestly – don't need to make that backcourt even deeper. I mean, just with Woods, it provides more scoring off the bench. But uh, that's that starting trio, like we said, uh, it's going to be there. It's going to play a ton of minutes. So, uh, yeah, Woods is definitely going to take a backseat role for minutes, uh, going to a, obviously a high major in Arizona State. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to provide a deeper backcourt because that backcourt's already pretty deep. So it's just going to make it a lot more dynamic and uh, dangerous, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I expect a lot of small ball from Arizona State. You know, their best four players, Woods, Burge, Christopher, and Martin, they're all guards. And I expect Marcus Bagley to play some small ball five. Um, so I, I, like, I like this team a lot. I like what Coach Hurley's done. And, yeah, I'm excited for Arizona State this season. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Coach, Coach Hurley's done a lot of good things here. And uh... – we're, we're very big fans of both our early coaches. And, uh, yeah, they've just been doing a lot of good things at their schools. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited for Arizona State this upcoming season. And, uh, obviously, we're going to talk about them uh, later down the road in the Pac-12 uh, preview, on obviously. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, uh, next next waiver we have here is Jalen Carey at Rhode Island. Uh, this, is a, this is a trio, actually. So we'll get to the other two in a minute. But, uh yeah, Carey is a transfer from Syracuse, averaged one and a half points a game and three rebounds a game and only two games played. Uh, he did play in 11 and a half minutes in those two games uh, per per game, obviously. But, uh, yeah, two years remaining at Rhode Island. Uh, this I think this is a very reasonable waiver, unlike uh, Woods, like we just said. Uh, Carey's looking to bounce back at Rhode Island and uh, emerge as a potential starter. Uh, he's going to bring a lot of good presence to this Rhode Island team. And uh, speaking of good presence to this Rhode Island team, uh, we got – Makai and Mikael Mitchell also receiving waivers for Rhode Island. Uh, both transferred from Maryland. Uh, Makai averaged three points a game, uh, three rebounds a game, 12 games played. And uh, Mikael averaged one point a game and two and a half rebounds in 10 games played. Uh, I believe they have one or two years remaining at Rhode Island as well. I'm not too sure uh, how many they have on the top of my head. Uh, it wasn't really clear, honestly, but uh, – yeah, I mean, all three of these transfers coming into Rhode Island definitely going to help their stock in the A-10 for this upcoming season. And uh, such as the Pac-12, the A-10 rankings will be coming out in the, within the next couple of weeks. So uh, how, you, how huge are these waivers for Rhode Island? Yeah, these are huge. Um, they, they all bring instant scoring, instant energy to this Rhode Island team. They get a lot deeper as well. Carey. Um, this, like you said, very reasonable waiver. It was more like a medical redshirt. He was recovering from a, a thumb injury, and 
the Mitchell twins too. That that's huge. Um, the A ten looks pretty interesting now in terms of where they land. Uh, I'm gonna have to do a lot more research, and hopefully, when when those ranking comes, I, I make the right decision. Yeah, I mean that that race just got a lot tighter between uh, probably my top three. Honestly, it's probably gonna be Richmond, St. Louis, and probably Rhode Island. Now uh, it was, was kind of unclear who that third team might be, but I think. Uh, with these waivers, I think Brown does emerge as a third contender for the A-10. And uh, don't get me wrong, still a lot of other contenders in the A-10, such as Dayton, uh, Davidson. You could go on and on for these teams, even St. Bonaventures. Uh, I kind of forgot about them last time we talked about the A-10, but that team's definitely a top five, six team in the A-10 as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a ton of teams you could mention here. But, uh, yeah, Rhode Island's definitely emerging as one of those top-heavy teams for, for the A-10 next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, next waiver is Brian Penn Johnson of LSU. Dressed from Washington, averaged two points, one rebound, on two blocks in one game played. Played six minutes that game. Uh, we'll have three years remaining at LSU. Big time waiver for LSU here. Uh, how vital will Penn Johnson be to this LSU team? Yeah, and uh, this is a very big waiver for LSU. Like you said, uh, this is pretty much their big man. Uh, I believe he's seven one and has a seven eight wingspan. We've talked about it at least two or three times on this podcast already. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just a big presence coming to LSU. And they need a big man now, uh, now that they don't really got one to fill in the shoes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about this LSU team uh, a couple episodes ago and how they returned their big uh, trio coming back. But, uh, yeah, with Penn Johnson actually being cleared to play now, this just makes their chances a lot better in the SEC. Yeah, totally. Um, I had them in the, my top 25 last time for the, for the first time. And, yeah, uh, their front court is, is, is nice. Yeah, I mean, the, their starting five is pretty nice now with getting probably Penn Johnson, who's going to start probably. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this team's just a contender now. And I had them in my top 25 as well, making the reappearance uh, since the first episode we did on the top 25. So, uh, yeah, you'll probably see them in there next one we do. But, Obviously, that's a little bit of a ways away, but uh, yeah. All right, uh, next up is a duo of Portland State players, and the funny thing is, uh, Portland State is actually in our episode for today, uh, obviously with the big sky, so uh, we won't get too much into detail about these two waivers, but uh, uh, Khalid Thomas is the first one, the transfer from USC, averaged two and a half points a game, one and a half rebounds, and eight and a half minutes per game. Uh, He will have one year remaining. And uh, the other is Elijah Hardy, uh, transfer from Washington. Uh, he averaged two points a game, one rebound a game, and one assist a game, and 11 minutes uh, per game. And uh, he will have two years remaining at Portland State. So uh, these are obviously two big waivers for Portland State, and honestly, all the big sky. But, uh, yeah, obviously we'll get to them later, so uh, we'll continue on with some other waivers. Yeah. Um, next one, we have Alan Griffin, Syracuse, transfer from Illinois, nine points, four and a half rebounds this past season. Two years remaining at Syracuse. Griffin has a chance to be one of the top options at Syracuse. Um, will Syracuse benefit from this waiver, or should have Griffin waited a year? Yeah, I mean, this is this is something I was thinking when Griffin got this waiver. I mean, I know that Syracuse is going to be a pretty decent team in the ACC next year, but uh, they got some guys graduating in uh, two, uh, this upcoming season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this team this team could be a pretty decent team now with Griffin. Uh, I think this was the right decision, I mean, to get a waiver. I know he played a lot, but uh, I think I think just him getting a waiver is just huge for Syracuse. 
And uh, he's, he's probably going to start, honestly, if we're talking about who they got coming back next year. But, uh, yeah, he can definitely be a top three option on the Syracuse team uh, for this upcoming season. Yeah, for sure, especially with Elijah Hughes gone. Um, that's like, what, 20 points there. They got to they gotta fill in 20 points somehow. Alan Griffin's going to get the majority of that chance. And, yeah, um, the ACC looks looks pretty weak from past the recent years. And I think Syracuse could benefit and they can make the most of that opportunity. Yeah, and uh, ACC just got a lot better. I mean, this is a pretty underrated waiver here, but uh, this is definitely going to help out Syracuse, like we said. And, yeah, I'm excited to see what Griffin does because he didn't really make the most of his potential at Illinois. So uh, hopefully he'll do a lot of good things at Syracuse, and I definitely expect him to. All right, uh, next one we have is Charles O'Bannon Jr. at a TCU. Uh, he's a transfer from USC. Uh, only averaged one point a game and one rebound a game and three games played, averaged six minutes per game in those three games. I uh, will have two years remaining at TCU. Uh, he's a former five-star recruit, and I believe the last five-star recruit USC got was DeMar DeRozan. And uh, obviously they got uh, Evan Mobley coming in for this upcoming season, but uh, I think that's how long the span has been since USC's gotten a five-star recruit. And uh, obviously, O'Bannon Jr. didn't have really good relationship relations and uh, obviously performance at U uh, USC. So uh, hopefully, TCU will work out for him. And uh, TCU, they've been kind of a bottom feeder in the Big 12 in these past couple of years. Uh, with O'Bannon coming, uh, will he make a reappearance for his potential? Uh, yeah, um, the Big 12 just too, too good, too top-heavy. TCU is kind of falling behind. I, I still think they will be in the bottom half of the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, TCU kind of has a whole roster change. I believe they lose four starters, if I'm not mistaken, or something crazy like that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, O'Bannon Jr. is probably going to start for this team, but uh, it's going to be kind of difficult uh, for this first year. Uh, who knows, maybe two years from now, this team could turn things around. But, uh, yeah, for this upcoming season, I still see TCU uh, in the bottom half of the Big 12. Mm -hmm. uh, next, Russell Tachua of South Florida, transferred from Texas Tech. One and a half points, one rebound, 23 games, five minutes a game. We'll have three years remaining at South Florida. Another seven-foot center on this list of waivers. Um, huge American news, especially for, for South Florida, who, who seems like a bubble team coming into this season. Uh, this is move their ranks in the American. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're going to talk about it later, uh, next couple weeks. But uh, I still see South Florida as a top-five team in the American. And uh, – Getting to Shiwa coming in is pretty pretty huge for them. And if this team stays healthy, uh, I think this team's definitely going to be a tournament team. And I'm really excited to see uh, how good this team can be with, with everyone being healthy, hopefully. Yeah, like you said, injuries have really haunted them the past two years. Uh, they're finally healthy this year. They're definitely a top five team. And if they stay healthy, I think they could be the top team in the American. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could you could name a couple teams that could be that top team. Uh, Houston, Houston's uh, reign might be over here, but uh, you never know. Uh, that, that race is going to be very tight. And like we said before, American's going to be one of the most exciting conferences in all of college basketball for this upcoming season. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, next one we have is uh, Curtis Holland III at a Townsend. Uh, he's a transfer from High Point. Uh, averaged 12 and a half points a game, uh, two and a half rebounds, and one and a half assists uh, per game this past season. I will have two years remaining. Uh, Towson plays in the Colonial uh, Conference, which we'll be talking about probably next week. And 
uh, yeah, I mean, this this conference is a complete turnaround. I mean, they lost a ton of good guys in that conference. So, uh, well, well, Townsend makes uh, some somewhat good strides and maybe be a top three or five team in this Colonial Conference. Yeah, definitely. They've been consistently in the middle of the pack and top half of the Colonial the past couple years. And, you know, Delaware, they've basically lost everyone. And they could be some team that can make the jump to that number one spot. Yeah, and I think Townsend could potentially be one of those teams. I mean, I know there's a couple other teams that could have a very legitimate case uh, to dethrone Delaware and be that top seed. But, uh, yeah, with uh, Curtis Hall coming in, this brings a lot of scoring to Townsend. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're getting a lot of good guys coming in for these next couple of years. So uh, don't be surprised if this if you see this team in the tournament uh, in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last transfer – Quade Green of Washington. He is finally eligible for Washington again this season. Um, was ineligible halfway through the season last year due to academic reasons. In his 15 games, averaged 11.5 points, 2.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists. We'll have two years remaining. Washington will get will look to get waivers for the other transfer as well. Eric Stevenson's one that comes to mind. Uh, do you think Washington could be a potential sleeper in the Pac-12? Yeah, I mean... You just look at what they lost, and they lost their top two guys and Jaden McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart, obviously. So, uh, yeah, when Quade Green was playing with them, I think this team was a very good team. And obviously, you know what happened with Washington. They kind of had a downfall, and things didn't really work out for them. But, uh, yeah, Quade Green's a very good player, and him getting a waiver to be eligible to play is just huge for Washington. Uh, we had uh, – personally, for me, I had them towards the bottom half of the – Pac-12 this year. Uh, I didn't think they were going to be that good, but uh, if they can get waivers for, like you said, Eric Stevenson and even Cole Bajima uh, coming in, uh, this team could definitely be a middle-of-the-pack, maybe top six or seven in the Pac-12. I don't see them cracking the top five, probably not the top three at all, but this team could definitely make some good strides and definitely uh, over-exceed their expectations uh, set for this upcoming season. Yeah, um, and you could see Washington, their downfall last year was due to Green's absence, and he, he was basically their only true point guard on the team. Uh, they had to had Jaden McDaniels bring the ball up last year, and, and that didn't go well at all. And in this 15 games, they were still a fringe top 25 team. And once he left, it just went downhill from there, and they just sank to the bottom of the Pac-12. So he's the glue guy. He's basically their leader, That basically – their, their point guard, their only point guard. And, yeah, if he could stay eligible, I think I think this could be uh, a sleeper team. Yeah, definitely. And uh, with all that being said, uh, it's time for the main topic of the episode, the Big Sky preview. Uh, as always, we're going to be doing player of the year, dark horse, and then going uh, from 10. No, no, it's 12. No, it's 11. Going from 11 up to 1. Uh, the numbers – in this conference are very tricky with 11, but, uh, yeah, we'll be going from 11 to 1 after the player of the year in the dark horse. So, uh, without further ado, uh, who is your player of the year for the Big Sky this upcoming season? I'm going with Tavion Jones of Southern Utah, former top 100 recruit, played the past two seasons at Illinois, got a waiver for this season. I think he's going to be a problem in the Big Sky. He, he's so loaded with potential, but was never to show what he, was, he could do um, due to off-the-court reasons. And this is a fresh start for him. I think I think he's going to dominate the big sky. Yeah, and talking about people getting waivers, uh, this is another big guy that's getting a waiver for the big sky. And, uh, yeah, Southern Utah, uh, they're going to have a turnaround. They do lose three of their starters. But, uh, yeah, with Jones coming in, 
Uh, that just makes this team a legitimate contender, possibly for the big sky. But uh, my player of the year is going to be Jacob Davison at uh, Eastern Washington. Uh, he averaged 18 and a half points a game, four rebounds a game, three assists per game, and one and a half steals per game. Uh, he was he was the leading scorer on this Eastern Washington team last year, and this team won the won the whole uh, Big Sky uh, conference <coughs> probably, and obviously the regular season. And uh, his teammate Mason Pelting, uh, he won it this past year, so I think that legacy is going to carry on to Davidson here. So that's why I got him uh, leading the charge for Eastern Washington. Yeah, I definitely think he's going to be preseason player of the year, no doubt. He's definitely the safe option, and yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, for dark horses, you could go, you could go a couple different ways with this. So, uh, who do you, who do you got here for your dark horse? I got Southern Utah. Like I said, Tavion Jones eligible. Uh, this team is, is is real deep. It's gonna, I think it's gonna be a real fun season for them. And this program is gonna get a huge turnaround. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely one of the teams that comes to mind when I think about dark horse. Uh, I, I was thinking a couple different ways here. I had Portland State originally as my dark horse, but I decided to change it all up. So I'm going to go with Northern Arizona here. Uh, you might be thinking, uh, didn't this team lose to Idaho State uh, in the Big Sky Conference Tournament? Yes, they did. And Idaho State was the 11th seed or the 10th seed in the tournament. But this team does lose two stars as well, but they do return their leading scorer in Camp Shelton average 15 points a game, uh, six rebounds a game, and four assists per game. And they do bring back Bernie uh, Andre as well, who is probably the X factor of this team for next season. And the interim coach, Shane Bacar, uh, he, he, got the, he got the nod. He's going to be the actual head coach this year for Northern Arizona. And he has a year under his belt now, or half a year, I guess if you want to call it that. So uh, I think this team is going to be the dark horse team. Uh, in my rankings, I might have them a little too high. I definitely agree with that, but this team's going to be my dark horse for the Big Sky this year. Yeah, you definitely have them too high for me to consider them as a dark horse. I'd consider them a contender from your rankings. Um, but yeah, um, the interim coach, not promoted head coach, that was, a, that was a great decision by them. And yeah, I can't wait to see this team next year as well. Yeah, I think, I think you have them a little too low. So for, for me... For you, it could be the dark horse. Maybe not for me, but uh, I think this team's going to surprise a lot of people and finish uh, where I have them, at least mm -hmm. somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So let's get to number 11. Uh, I believe we both have the same number 11 again. It is Idaho, sadly. Uh, they were the worst team in the Big Sky last year. They lose 50% of the scoring from three seniors alone. Only one guy averaged double digits in points, which was – Brandon Allen, 21 points a game. He's gone as well, and it's going to be a long season ahead. Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, without Brandon Allen, this team's going to struggle. This team finished, like you said, bottom of the pack last year in the big sky. So I think this year, uh, as sad as it is to say, it'll probably be another year towards the bottom. Um, they do return four starters, uh, so that's a bright spot, I guess, but they lose their – leading scorer in Allen, and uh, they're going to need some leadership on this team because Allen and those other two seniors uh, who were role players, they definitely all made a very big impact on Idaho and gave them a little bit of light uh, at the end of the dark tunnel. But, uh, yeah, I think this year is going to be a pretty pretty rough year for Idaho, but you never know. They could surprise a lot of, a lot of people here. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, number 10, I believe we both have the same team as well, is Sacramento State. They're coming off a program best ever, 16 wins. Um, and that was, that was like a four-year process. They, they basically lose everyone from that process and will now have to rebuild once again. Yeah, uh, I got them here as well. Obviously, like you said, uh, program best, 16 wins last season in the big sky. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this team's losing a lot, like you said. Uh, they're losing their top three options, uh, which is going to be an ongoing theme for the big sky. Uh, a lot of teams losing a lot of big, good quality guys here. So, uh, yeah, they do return the floor general and Bryce Fowler for next year. He's probably going to be the best option for this team. So uh, that's a good thing for the Sacramento State team. But, uh, yeah, I definitely got them in the bottom three here. But uh, who knows? Like I said with Idaho, this team could have some bright spots, but I probably don't see their potential being too high in the big sky. Mm -hmm. uh, number nine, I have Idaho State here. They bring back the top three scores. That's pretty good. But supporting cast, it looks, it looks real shaky. And I expect an up-and-down year from this team. Yeah, uh, this, was, this was the 10th seed who upset Arizona, uh, Northern Arizona. Uh, this is their first uh, tournament win uh, in 11 years, for the big sky at least. So uh, I got them one spot higher. And we're going to flip-flop here. And I got Weaver State here at number nine. Uh, this team does lose their top two options. They do bring a good supporting cast. That's probably why you had them above Idaho State, in my opinion, honestly. But there's also another reason, which you'll talk about in a minute. But uh, their, their big guy coming back for them is Michael Kozak. Uh, he was a top three option for this team last year. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to do a lot of good things at Weaver State. And uh, the supporting cast is going to definitely step up uh, with the so-given speech you, you say it might happen. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I got them a nine, so I'll let you, I'll let you talk about them now, Dave. Yeah, number eight, Weber State. Uh, if you guys didn't know, Damian Lillard played here and you know Damian Lillard is the best player in the NBA right now um, and during the bubble obviously and uh, he played there for four years basically he's a mater I think he's going to come visit Weber State give them a little locker room speech and, and hype them up a little bit and yeah there's just a bunch of young guys they bring in four transfers and five freshmen and if this team molds quickly I think they could be a top five team and they should be inspired by Lillard's run right now and they should want to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's that story with Lillard right there, def, I think it's definitely possible. Uh, and there's a chance it might not happen. I'm saying there's a chance. But I think it's definitely uh, a guarantee he's going to visit, and he's, he's going to inspire them. I mean, he already has been just playing in the NBA, like you said. And right now they're up one, they're up one game on the Lakers, who are the one seed, and the Blazers obviously had a very uh, – Tremendous story so far. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good X factor, and that could definitely spark this this Weber State or Weber. I don't really know which one it is. Uh, to be maybe a top-five team, that might be a stretch here, but uh, I think this team could definitely move up a couple of spots in the big sky. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I said it earlier. I got Idaho State here. Uh, this, this team, I'm expecting a lot of good things from this team, although they do lose most of their supporting cast. Uh, obviously, first tournament win in 11 years. I think they're going to definitely carry the momentum off of that for this upcoming season. Uh, they do bring back their top two options, and uh, Cool and Porter. So uh, I think those two guys definitely have a chance to be in an all-conference conversation. So, uh, yeah, this is my underdog team, 
not my dark horse team, but this is gonna be my underdog team. So this team might move up a couple ranks for me, but uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited to watch this Idaho State team. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven, I have Portland State here. They lose their entire starting five. Uh, they bring in a solid transfer portal and recruiting class. Uh, like we said, the two waivers, high major guys. Um, I just think the, the partners outweigh the rivals and back to the drawing board for Portland State. Yeah, and uh, I got them one spot higher, so I'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, this is where things get very interesting, if you ask me. Uh, I got Southern Utah down here. Uh, you, you might be a little surprised by this, but uh, they do lose three starters, and uh, I think that's going to hurt them a lot. Uh, they do bring back John Knight, though, and obviously Trivian Jones coming in. Um, so this team, I think this team could be a couple spots higher, but uh, I just think teams above them are going to do a lot better things, in my opinion. But uh, don't be surprised this team is potentially a top-five team. But uh, as of right now, I'm going to have them at number seven here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have them way higher, so I'll talk about them but a lot later. Uh, number six, I'm Northern Colorado here. They lose coach Jeff Linder, uh, my opinion, most underrated coach in college basketball. You guys probably don't know about him. Uh, left for Wyoming, but he's, a, he's an excellent coach. Um, they promote their assistant coach, and some guys transfer, like always, whenever their coach leaves. And But this team still, they're a whole bunch of 3D guys. They've always been like that since Linder came, and they'll shoot their way into every game. Yeah, and uh, honestly, when making these rankings, I kind of forgot that they lost their head coach. I know that's kind of silly of me, but uh, I got this team pretty high. Uh, it might be a little too high after after me forgetting that, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to keep them where, that, where I put them, and it's kind of my mistake, but uh, yeah, I mean, number six, I got Portland State here, one spot ahead of you. Uh, I think this team's definitely in trouble, uh, losing Holland Woods and losing their entire starting lineup, so that, that alone is a big uh, uh-oh for this Portland State team. Obviously, they do bring in the two high major transfers and Thomas and Hardy, who we talked about earlier. Uh, yeah, but I think this team's definitely in trouble for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, uh, Northern Arizona here. This is the best season in a while with their interim head coach. It was, it was probably the greatest decision they could have made making him their official head coach. They retain a young core. They bring in a four-guy recruiting class. Um, not as deep or experienced as the teams above, but their best five players could compete with anyone. Yeah, that's why I got them where I put them. I think this team's going to be very good next year. Uh, so, yeah, you might be wondering uh, what I have at number five, and that's going to be Montana. Uh, this team, yes, this team was a top three team Whoa. last year. This team was a top three team last year, but they do lose their top three options, and I think that's going to hurt them. I know they have a pretty good supporting cast coming back, and they do bring back uh, incoming sophomore Derek Carter-Hollinger, who will probably be their top option. But uh, something about something about me, just don't, I don't think Montana is going to have as good of a season they did last year. That might be a big, interesting take here. But uh, something about it just doesn't sit right with me. So I got them here at number five. Mm-hmm. I have them way higher as well. So I'll talk about them later. Number four, Southern Utah. Stack transfer portal coming, incoming, I believe, five guys. Returned three of their top four players. This seems like a very, very deep team and should be should be competing in every game. Yeah, and I got I got Montana State here at number four. 
Uh, this is something we could probably agree on. Uh, I think this team's another pretty pretty decent uh, sleeper team. This team's very underrated in Big Sky teams. So uh, I think this team will be a very interesting one. Uh, they do lose their top two options, but they do bring back three stars, and one of them is big man uh, Jubilee Bello. I think he's a potential all-conference all player as well, and they do bring back a pretty good supporting cast uh, who will hopefully fill in the roles of these top three, top two options that left. But so, uh, yeah, I mean, Montana State, they finished, I believe, tied for fifth or fifth, uh, somewhere around there. But, uh, yeah, I think this team definitely going to be a top five team once again in the big sky. Mm -hmm. Like you said, they returned three stars, that all their supporting cast, their whole bench is returning. And they also added a six-man recruiting class, which is absolutely absurd as well. And this team in the – I think this team could run this league as soon as next year and maybe even this year if everything goes right for them. Yeah, I mean, running it this year is a very tough task considering who we got here at number one. But uh, I think next year is definitely a big possibility for this Montana State team. And, uh, yeah, number three, I got my dark horse team, Northern Arizona. Uh, I already talked about them a lot earlier. So uh, all I really got to say is their interim coach is coming back, and he's going to have experience now. And this team does lose some guys, but they bring back a decent amount of guys. And uh, I just have really good hopes for this Northern Arizona team. I could be, I could be completely wrong, but uh, I got to stick with my gut. And my, my gut's telling me this is the, my dark horse team. So that's why I got them here in the top three. Mm -hmm. um, number two, I got Montana here. Um, this is one of their best coaching staffs in the Big Sky. Um, they haven't they haven't fall out fell out of the top three in I think four years. I, I don't see that. I don't see them falling out of the top three. They went heavy on the transfer portal this past two seasons. They had two high major sit out transfers now eligible, and Cameron Parker um, from Sacred Heart. If you guys didn't know, he had 25 assists in one game. So he's one of the nation's best passers. Um, he's also eligible. They bring in a four-man recruiting class. They return a young core of guys, and this team is pretty deep, and I think they can make a run at the big sky. Yeah, I mean, I do have them at five, but don't, 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 don't think five is going to be where they land. I think this team definitely has uh, potential to be a top three team. I think all five of these top, top teams have a chance to be in the top three or even the top two. So, uh, I do have Northern Colorado here. Uh, this was my mistake, obviously. But uh, I got to stick with my gut now. I got to stick with my gut now. So uh, this team does lose three starters. They do return the top option. And Brody Hume, uh, he's going to be an all-conference player this year. Do bring in a couple uh, prospects coming in. And, the tr yeah, the transfers, they're not really there for Northern Colorado as they are for Montana. So uh, this team could definitely struggle. But uh, – like, they were a top three team last year, so I think this team's going to remain in the top three, and they probably won't fall out. Um, their coaching staffs, they're, they're, they're a top three coaching staff in the league as well, I believe. So uh, that's why I got them here at number two. Might be a little too high, but I got to stick with what I got now. Mm -hmm. I have them at five, but I could see them anywhere from two, two to five or seven. And like I said, they, they can shoot their way and defend their way into games, and that's that's what – Basketball is the game of runs, and Northern Colorado, they can make a big run anytime. Yeah, and uh, number one, it's kind of kind of obvious. I mean, we both we both got them here. So uh, without further ado, let's let's get into it. Yeah, um, Eastern Washington. I don't think there's any question about this one. 
most talented and deepest team in the conference by, by a good amount. Yeah, I mean, this team does lose uh, player of the year, Mason Peltzing, like I said earlier, but uh, they, they bring four starters back. They bring most of their supporting cast back, and uh, this team's going to be one of the best teams they've had in a while. And uh, obviously they have some contention with probably the other top four teams in the, in the conference, but uh, I think Eastern Washington should be running away with the Big Sky title uh, pretty, pretty safe and sound here, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Eastern Washington is definitely going to run this conference uh, this this year. I think they did last year as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the race was a lot closer last year. I think this year it's going to be a completely different story. I don't think there'll be – there'll be some competition, obviously, but I don't think it will be as tremendous as it was this past season. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all we really got for today. Uh, obviously a lot bigger one with all the waivers uh, we mentioned. Well, it'll probably be a little bit longer next episode because there'll probably be a lot more waivers uh, granted to some of these transfers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, do you know what the next conference up is? Uh, Big South. Yeah, it's the Big South. So, uh, yeah, obviously uh, going to be excited for that one. And uh, Lottery, obviously, uh, tuning in tonight. Uh, we'll both be tuning in. Uh, that's going to pretty much vary what our mock drafts have been because we'll have a clear – uh, indication of who's going to have that top pick because yeah. we really don't know right now. And we've just been basing it off of a generator and record. So uh, mm-hmm. we don't really know. Yeah, we'll give you our opinions on the uh, the lottery as well because, you know, maybe the Knicks will rig it. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that too. I mean, they've rigged it before. I definitely see it being a possibility they rig it again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of questions concerning who's going to be the top pick and a lot of other Really, really interesting stuff for this incoming uh, NBA class. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but, uh, that's all for today. Um, thank you guys for watching. Uh, stay safe, and it's always March. It's always March, baby. Thank you guys for watching.